is a good day to die. That was from the 1990 Joel Schumacher movie Flatliners, featuring Oliver Pratt, Kevin Bacon, Julia Roberts, and her boyfriend at the time, Kiefer Sutherland. Flatliners. Nelson, that was before your time. Way before my time, brother. You know what they were doing in that film, huh? I can tell. It was, yeah. sounds like a, an episode of ER. These are five medical students at Loyola Medical School in Chicago. They wanted to know what happened when a person left this realm and moved into the next realm. So they were purposely stopping one another's heart. Well, that's my question. What do you think happens after we die? That's a great question. I think I should ask you the same thing, and we should explore that on this episode of Put Them on the Couch. The Today, afterlife. Let's put the afterlife on the couch. Yes, sir. And just like that, we're we, back. We are back on a Friday. Welcome back to Put Them on the Couch, ladies and gentlemen. And I've got with me today our co-host, Nelson Bowyer, back in the studio. Hope you had a nice little week off. Yeah, yeah, pretty nice. Look, it's, it's funny. I think people are going to start to assume that we're kind of obsessed with the macabre. <laughs> we did Halloween and now we're talking about what happens after we die. Yeah, and it's not going to be any better once I answer your question. Uh, on the other well, side of the opening. Well, it might be a little bit opening, better after I answer your question. On the other side of the opening, you asked me, man. Yeah, what like do uh, I what think do you happens think happens we when we die? As a practical person, what what do you think, man? What yeah, happens after we as die? As a rationalist, I believe that my body will stiffen first. And then I believe <laughs> Rigor mortis. I believe my face and neck will follow right after. Uh, and I think this process of stiffening is going to happen throughout my trunk and then gradually <laughs> radiate outwards towards my arms, legs, and eventually my fingers and toes. Dude, and but then that's if what I'm, we and know. Then, and then my body will probably loosen again. And a few days after that, my body's tissues are going to break down, <laughs> causing uh, the stiff parts uh, to relax again. <laughs> and then, of course, if... Uh, that's what we know. If my wife honors my... Last will and testament, I will be cremated. But if uh, <laughs> if I'm not cremated, that will be against my wishes, and I assume that I will be placed in some sort of box, hopefully one that worms and other microorganisms can penetrate pretty quickly and easily so that I can fertilize that part of the earth. Okay. And that's Thanks, it. buddy. That's everything. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. That's it, huh? Mm -hmm. That's it. Which is why it's so important for me and for anyone listening to treat every day as if tomorrow you're going to be worm food. Yeah, but don't you think a lot of religious people would treat every day the same way? Mm, I think a lot of religious people so, treat days as if they're going to live forever. What is So, you know, we have talked um, casually on this show about belief, about atheism, about... Uh, mysticism, Catholicism, whatever. We've talked a lot about religion, and, and we know, most of our listeners should know, that you are an atheist. And, mm -hmm. and I've asked you, you know, was it difficult to 
um, I, I I like the term acknowledge your atheism rather than come the, to terms, come to with, terms the, with, with the fact that this is because all I don't there think I, I don't think you've ever believed in God. We, I have, we, I have. As a youngster, I told you I believed in God, but you know, I got tripped up when I was going to church reading the Bible, but, particularly but, the whole Noah's Ark thing. It kind of confused me. That confuses everybody. Yeah. But so you were, you, you would not have acknowledged your atheism when you were like twenty or twenty-one, right? Mm, probably not. I didn't start acknowledging it. But was I, it there? Yeah, it was there. W- when would you say you stopped believing in God? I stopped believing in God probably when I was a older teenager. Okay, and this is a really important question mm-hmm. because and I, I think it's important for any atheist. Did the when you ceased believing in God? Mm-hmm. Did that mean that you stopped believing in an afterlife as soon as you said that, okay, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in the ark, I don't mm-hmm. believe in these things. I guess, w- was the barrier to your acknowledging atheism that finality no, think, of your life? Um, but you believe uh, when you die, that's it. Yeah, um, so it's a good question. I, I think it's the other way around, for me at least. I'm not sure whether it's that way with other people. I'd love to hear. But what you're asking me, I think, is once I came to terms with the fact that death is final and there's no afterlife, then could I give up the belief in God or was it the other way around? For me... Right, that's a good... Yeah, yeah. for me, I'd already Chicken given up... Egg. For me, I think I'd already given up on the belief that there was an afterlife. I couldn't understand how you could be burned or you could be decomposing under the earth, how you could be without blood, without possible tissues and organs because I understood what embalming was about. I didn't understand how you could exist in any way, shape, or form like you are on earth. And I, I couldn't wrap my head around this idea of a soul or a spirit that could wander around in some afterlife ether, afterlife ether and be capable of moving and recognizing and remembering and making decisions and, and doing things. So I think I didn't believe in an afterlife first, and then only after that was I finally able to give up on the belief of a god. But um, do you? So you don't believe in ghosts? Absolutely not. No. Really? No. Because even a lot of atheists I've spoken with believe in ghosts. Look, there's a lot of atheists that believe in an afterlife. There's a lot of atheists that but believe. Do you, Do you think that in all sorts of things? Do you think your skepticism of an afterlife could or would ebb as you get closer to the grave? I don't think so, but I suppose anything's possible. I really don't know what's happening to my brain neurochemically whenever I am close to death. I mean, I guess it depends on the way in which I die or the way in which I am dying, right? Like if I'm losing oxygenated blood slowly versus quickly, if I'm being administered certain types of drugs that will cause me to hallucinate. I mean, I don't know. But if I'm in my normal, rational, skeptical state of consciousness that I'm in right now, I can't see that happening, no. All right, so I guess I have a, I have a number of questions, but <laughs> yeah. when we're talking about the afterlife, mm-hmm. doesn't that make you sad? No. Is, 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 don't, do you feel a sense of loss with the embracing of the idea that you will die mm. and you will, uh, and there's nothing else beyond no. the here and now, this podcast? I mean, and, you know, it's interesting because you did mention that you looked at, our work together as sort of a a legacy 
and I'll mention that Abraham well, as an opportunity to continue sure, on sure. beyond death. Yeah, and, and Abraham Lincoln felt the same way. He said that you, you know, when you die, that's your death, but you can live on if you do things worthy of remembrance. Sure, and that once people don't remember that you ever existed, that mm. that was the mortality. Final, yeah. That was mortality. Yeah, but when you embrace this idea of that's it. That's all. I mean, is that that wasn't hard, and that isn't hard. That is that you was have daughters, hard. That you, was very you have a daughter, hard. you have a son, you have mm-hmm. a wife. Yeah. Um. What if they go first? Yeah. What if they predecease you? I mean, it's, yeah. How do you do that? Um. First of all, <clears throat> they they might you know, and no amount of believing in an afterlife or a god or anything else is going to stop that from happening. No, so, but it could it could stop some of your pain. Uh, I fear that it also might make me less vigilant and make me less conscientious about how I spend my final days, months, years, hours on this earth, right? So I understand I, that. I view this as final in the same way I view a movie as final, which is why I hate sequels. <laughs> um, Even better sequels? One of the... No, I don't know many of them. There might be a few. Godfather God 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a movie... Knowing that life is going to come to an end makes the experience of living it more exciting for me. Wow. Um, I think that's the way I view it. Wow. Um, I think I've also said before that I kind of fall back on Voltaire's words, where I am, death is not. I like that. And where death is, I am not. So it soothed my longing, my fear of death, probably more than anything ever has, this idea that where I am, death is not, and where death is, I am not. I can't know death when I'm on this side of it, and I won't know life when I'm on the other side of it. Now, that's so for are, an atheist. Are you, are that's, you, what atheist. that's what I was worried about. Are you saying that the finality is... The finality some, is what scared and, and, and me. And the unknowable, that, that you can't know it, provides now, now some sort for, of comfort. That yes, you can't before know Before that, it, it, it was the, so, the single greatest fear, source of my fear, was that the finality of death, never, ever, 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 ever coming back. Right. As a youngster, I remember thinking, never coming back? And I remember thinking how long a year was, waiting on Christmas, and then I realized, never coming back? This is it. All the people I've ever known, all the people that knew me, were never, ever going to see each other. We're never coming back. Yeah. That was scary. That was that horrifying. Scary. It was existentially just anxiety still scary. Yeah. I think it'd be scary for our listeners. But, that is a scary thought. But the, that notion of where I am right now, I can't know what it's like to be dead, and where death is... If I believe that it's final, then I'm not going to be able to know what it was like to have ever lived. I guess you, again, the best way I can describe it is is going under anesthesia, right? Yeah, yeah. Sure. I never, yeah. I've never I woken up from anesthesia and gone, "Oh my God, that was terrifying." I hate anesthesia. The only, th- by the way, the only thing that's terrifying about anesthesia is the fact that I do wake back up and I have a frame of reference and I can go, "Oh my God, that's so weird." Right. Yeah. That's but true. while I'm in it. There's no thoughts, no memories, no feelings, no decision making, no perceptions, nothing. It's just nothingness. Do you and think that this and it's easy. Do you think that embracing the idea of a non afterlife or a, a finality to life, do you think that influences your decisions today? Does it make you a more ethical person? You said, you know, there it sort of uh, pushed you for a, uh, a desire to live for the now. Mm-hmm. I guess, I don't know if I'm phrasing that right, but is there something to that? Like, do, yeah. you, do you think you would be different if you believed 
I'm, that tomorrow wasn't. I, yeah, the, I'm, I the, might the be more. I might be even more of a procrastinator if I believe that I had. <laughs> if I had an afterlife, we still gotta right? get that on the couch. Right, if, we gotta I, do procrastination. If, if, yeah. <laughs> I'm a procrastinator as it is, but I believe that I I could make lots of sort of excuses for myself and engage in a lot more intellectual gymnastics to kind of overcome my dissonance if I believed in an afterlife. Because I mean, think about it: the afterlife it never ends. Like, right. I've never heard anybody who believes in afterlife says, well, this one, and then you get to go to one more that's equal number of years. <laughs> no, it's this one, and then you get to go somewhere forever. Like, what? That's interesting. It's amazing. That's interesting. Um, No, so I view it as, you know, I've got probably 70 years on this earth if I'm average, and I'm probably average in every way. So best case scenario, I got 19 more years on this earth. That's 19 more Christmases. I always That's 19 more birthdays for my kids. That's 19 more summers. If I want to go, for instance, on a family vacation, I can't say I'm going to do it two years now. I better go. (laughs) I I will say that as you get older, people start to (laughs) think about their mortality a lot more. People start to want to make connections and reconnections with old family members and friends. I mean, my grandpa was just this really salty man's man who didn't have real time for emotions and feelings you know it's chew your tobacco go outside and do hard things and man as he got older he wanted me to look things up on that little computer I had in my hand he called my phone right the computer (laughs) wanted me to look up and see if I could find old friends and family members that he kind of vaguely remembered from his childhood he wanted to see if I could find them if we could get in touch with them and it was cute, but at the same time, really sad because I realized that he had squandered 60, 70, 80 potential years of just not even trying to connect with people that were you know, important it, to him it, at one point. It's, it's fascinating to hear you describe this because I, as a believer, and we'll get into me mm-hmm. because it's my favorite topic. Yep. We'll get into me and what I believe, but as a believer, I feel like I would embrace, not embrace death, that's not the right word. I feel like as I were dying, Mm -hmm. as I were thinking about my last days, you and I would think about them very similarly. I don't think you were non-belief. We would definitely think about the same thing. So I don't think you were non-belief in the afterlife. And my belief in some sort of afterlife really impacts us. But the way you're describing it is that it, it does impact you and, and it does move you and, and have you make certain decisions, uh, you know, partly as a result of that. But I would behave the same way you would. I, I have the same fears and ideas mm-hmm. that you do, and yet I still believe in some sort of afterlife. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, uh, you remember the uh, one of the most winning contestants on Jeopardy, Ken Jennings. Yeah, isn't he like the host now or something? Uh, he may be. I don't know. Um, yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. he just wrote a book. That's the by dude the who way. like a bunch, right? He knows a lot of things about a lot of things, but something admittedly he didn't know anything about was the afterlife. And apparently <laughs> his latest book, which may be his only book, A Hundred Places to See After You Die, a travel guide <laughs> to the, the afterlife, deceased. takes on his knowledge of just about everything and attempts to extend it to the great unknown. Death. <laughs> the book focuses on the afterlife, including heaven, hell, and everything in between, as depicted in religion, pop culture, literature, and more. How about that? That's awesome. Well, so I that's think that's awesome, man. That does go to show you how 
of what ubiquitous, ephemeral, um, how just everywhere all at once to use part of the name of last year's Academy Award winning movie, right? Uh, <laughs> how everything all at once religion is, right? Yeah. To, to yeah. both believer look, and non believer. Do you look down on believers? No, no. Only if they use their belief as an excuse for not getting shit done. Who does that? Uh, lots of people, man. I mean, even lots the Pope gets people. shit done. The Pope is a doer. You gotta get stuff done. You can't, for instance, you can't wait around until you're on okay, your deathbed. Okay, but I'm, I'm not say, talking about that. I'm talking about like, you know, I'm, I'm talking about like people who, the, the fundamentalists of any religion. Do you, as an intellectual, as somebody who no. seeks evidence, do you look down on that? And no, say, again, not, not unless they're judging people and, and, you know, discriminating against people purposefully, you know, like not giving people access to health care or not giving people um, life-saving medicines, you know, kind of so like Mother Teresa did in So you sort of use it as like a, a retort as I look, yeah, so you don't, you know, what part of the Bible are you reading? You're not giving people health care. Yeah, I worry about that. I worry that religion, just moral superiority in general, right, uh, is one of the most potent ways in which you can discriminate and and feel like you're in the right like you know i think i've said this before anybody can do good anybody can do bad but to do bad in the name of good probably takes some sort of religion yeah i think that's and fair. I, I worry i, think that's I worry fair. about I yeah, self-righteousness is bad but when you are righteous because you believe there's a bigger higher purpose for what you're doing i worry about that look if if you're worried if, if you're out there giving charity if you're out there saving lives if you're out there on the street trying to make sure junkies have clean needles if you're out there with the police and with the emts narcanning people who've overdosed if you're literally working in orphanages and you're saying i'm doing it because there's a higher calling and i'm doing this because there's more to life and more meaning and purpose than what meets the eye i applaud you but if you're saying, you know what, you're going to hell because you don't believe the way I do, and no, I'm not going to give you the same rights, and no, I don't want to make a birthday cake for you, and no, I don't want to marry you. <laughs> I mean, that just gets a, a little cake? slimy and petty. I don't know. I, I don't like it, man. Yeah, but no, I worry it, about that. And I'm glad we've arrived at this point yeah. because I feel like this— Don't use this, religion as a cudgel. Yeah, and, and this happens to me, you know, I'll admit, on occasion— mm -hmm. Do you think it's possible that the people who do use religion as a cudgel, mm -hmm. that the people who are fundamentalists, who are, nope, dinosaurs were there 100%, mm -hmm. and everybody was on the ark two by two, okay. and do you think it's the possible that those people mm -hmm. preclude you from exploring spirituality to a deeper degree? No, I mean, I mean I, if you I define those people as the spiritual people, doesn't that limit? No, I don't our understanding no, I don't, of spirituality. No, I don't define them as spiritual people. I I don't define most people who are religious as spiritual. I would say that I'm probably more spiritual than most of the people I know who are religious. In what way? Uh, well, I I do believe in a spirit, in a non tangible power purpose that we can create when we come together and build things like community when we build things like cities when we built western civilization so i believe in the spirit of shared 
you know, experience, alliances, coalitions, the common good. I mean, like any genuine politician or genuinely loving person, religious or otherwise. So, you know, I don't know if I can define spirituality or the spirit. And if I did, I certainly wouldn't try to define it by just giving it the same clothing that maybe some religious people give their belief in God or gods. But yeah, I, I don't think religion has the, uh, what would you call it? I don't think they own spirituality. Um, I don't even think they own morality for that matter. I guess I think religion, morality, spirituality are not all mutually exclusive, but they don't necess- they're not necessarily the same thing, that's for sure. They might overlap, but it's 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 really interesting to hear you say mm. that you believe that, you know, there is a I, I don't want to say divinity, but invisible there, thread. There there is something to living well doing good works mm-hmm. that that is sort of creating your own spirituality yeah, th- that you can't put into words and that you might not even be able to put into um you can put it into practice you know it when you see it you yeah can, right. you can actually feel it see but, that, but that it, but that's, it. see that's so interesting because mm-hmm. you're you're talking now about something that can't be quantified but i am talking about here and now and i'm talking about something that we can create whether we believe that but we're how creating is that it different because than confucianism because I don't, or taoism or the not. belief in the way or the well, belief now you're getting in, different now now that's a little different when you get into eastern religions that don't eastern philosophy yeah eastern yeah, philosophies sure. and religions when you don't have a specific like I call it a three O God, right? The omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent God, like the right. Muslim God or the Christian God in particular. If you do, don't you have, find yourself um, um, what's the word? Do, do you find yourself to be sort of confrontational with that idea of the uh, the Abrahamic God? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think and, so. And, and, and I'm going to confess to you, I uh, I share that confrontation. I share that. That I don't want to say animosity because that's right. I, I am I'm repulsed by it. It sounds um, like and, an and I know that sounds, it sounds wrong. like an authoritar- authoritative dad. Yes, like and that I don't, idea I don't like that, that. Do I, you, I said do it. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I I am repulsed. And you don't by want that. to disappoint me. And just I, wait until your dad gets home. That's the way I, I felt yeah, I, when I used I, to go to church. Like, well, you do that. You just wait until God finds out. Like, I, I, as a believer, I can tell you that I feel I feel that as well. And uh, I feel that as well. And honestly, you know, most most movies, stories, books, most people's imagination depict like the afterlife's waiting room as this place where you go and there's a a man maybe also old with a beard who maybe it's St. Peter or someone else who's kind of standing at the at the threshold at the precipice with the clipboard. I'm more right? of a Beetlejuice You're in the waiting room. I love the Beetlejuice Where they're in the waiting room. I love that. Well, I'm not sure if you know this or not, but there is a new TikToker. I'm never going to believe this. A Civil War ghost shows up in the lobby last week. Uh-huh. He says to us, can you help me? And I jump in. And I said, well, it depends. What side are you fighting for? Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen a ghost get pale. That's pale. <laughs> Her name is Tarantino 21. And Shout assume, out to Tarantino 21. Uh, and uh, she plays a character on TikTok, right? Like, and she is a New Yorker with a pretty thick accent. She's got on like a bathrobe. 
and she's chewing gum really hard, and <laughs> she plays the role of Denise, the person that you're going to meet in Heaven's Waiting Room. <laughs> <laughs> God. And it's pretty interesting. It's good? Right? I gotta, it's I gotta very, check very this out. good. Um, Shout out to Tarantino Twenty One. Yeah, please. So that's just tag by the way. If, I gotta. That's that's. If I am gonna meet someone after death, she's exactly the kind of person I'm looking for. Oh, let's play that someone game. With let's a play sense that of humor. game. All right. Who? It, now you don't believe. Mm-mm. But if you did believe, yeah. Who would you want to meet in the, in the afterlife? Room? Man, I'm hoping it's someone with a sense of humor. That's for sure. Okay, um, you, that is oh, so. Oh, you mean weak. Give no, no, me no, no. You mean as the person who's going to decide whether or not I get into heaven? No, no, oh, just, no, no. Just like whether who, I'm in heaven, hell, or somewhere in between. Who do I want to first see? Let's say you're in. You're in. Okay. I'm putting you in. Yeah, yeah. Who do I want to see? Who Who do you want to meet? I, if there was one person that you could meet after death, who would it be? Well, I mean, obviously, I want to meet some of the people that I've loved and and who have. You know, long been de- been deceased, like my great grandmother. I've no, I've no, mentioned her no, before, but boring. no, it's got to be someone, yeah, yeah, somebody fun like Hugh Hefner. <laughs> you would definitely meet Hugh. I don't know, maybe Lenny Bruce. I have a a reputation for being sort of controversial and irreverent, and also the semantic bear trap of bad taste. I'd love to know if he thinks any of these Lenny comedians, Bruce. if okay, he thinks like any that. of these comedians now we're talking. are interesting, intelligent. I'd love to hear what he has to say about woke culture, Lenny Bruce. Yeah, me too. Um, that would be cool. So, um, yeah, so for comedians, somebody like Lenny Bruce, Mitch Hedburn, um, actors, I don't know. What about a historical figure? Let's play in my ballpark. Come on now. A historical figure. I think uh, Jefferson. I, no, we, we I, I have think missed, Jefferson's kind of an ass. But and we, Lincoln haven't kind we of misquoted Jefferson so much, and we've gotten into the the weeds regarding what Jefferson meant by what he wrote and what he meant by what he did. I'd love to just sit down with little him clarification and, and just go look, dude. Um, now that you've crossed over and you don't know <laughs> anyone anything, right? And no one's ever going to hear this interview except <laughs> yeah. me. Level 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 with me, me right Let's now, right? This. What were you thinking, right? When? Yeah, that'd, um, that'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. I think Washington would be a bore. I think Lincoln would be kind of a bore. Uh, I would love to talk to. Um, I, I would love to talk to Ben Franklin. I'd yeah. love to talk to Ben Franklin. Now, why Ben Franklin? I mean, because he's he's like the Dos Equis guy. Mm. He's the most interesting man in the world. Well, he definitely politically, uh, scientifically. I I feel. Uh, you know why more than anything, I'd love to talk to him. I'd love mm. to talk to him about his will. I would love to talk to him about his decision. To have two sets of loans, one for Philadelphia, one for Boston, and about just this difference that existed between him and the rest of the founders. This was a city mouse. I'm a city mouse. You're a city mouse, kind of, with a country accent. Mm -hmm. But he was just fascinating. I would love to talk to to Ben Franklin about just... Any number of scientific things, philosophical things. He was a Quaker. He wanted to end slavery. I would, I'd, I'd love to get his thoughts on the Civil War. What yeah. happened? All that and if stuff. you're thinking about running for um, public office again, maybe you get his ideas God, about man. how to how to run. Like he would tell me not to. Yeah, he probably <laughs> would. I would love to ask Ronald Reagan what he thinks about people invoking his name constantly. I would like that especially too. Especially these MAGA types I would or love the Sean Hannitys, right? These neocons. I'd love to know what they think whenever they, or what he, he thinks when they say, well, I'm a Ronald Reagan Republican. I'd love to hear him say 
What yeah, about I think they are Ronald Reagan Republicans, or no, the hell they're not. I would love to. I would love to get Dr. King's thoughts on people who are just like, hey, you know what? We shouldn't treat people differently based on race. Hashtag Dr. King. Yeah. And these are people who absolutely love to treat people differently based yeah. on race. And I'd, I'd, I'd also have... like to find out this, the authors of all of these quotes that have been misattributed to Morgan Freeman in the last, <laughs> I don't know, 10, 15 years on the Internet. I think there's probably 100 in the last 10 to 15 well, look, minutes. Um, now that you know my thoughts about the afterlife and sort of what informs uh, my beliefs or lack thereof, I'd like to hear your take um, on the other side. For now, let's... Whoa, uh, whoa, where? On the other side. Let's do it. Any notion of the true strengths and depths of the opposition to our work. There's a whole medical establishment, of course, baying to send Freud to the auto da fe. But that's as nothing compared to what happens when our ideas begin to trickle through in whatever garbled form they're relayed to the public. The denials, the frenzy, the incoherent rage. I had to sneak that little uh, sound bite back in there. We don't <laughs> hey, do it nearly the, uh, enough. The father of our our show, yeah, Dr. the father Freud, of our show. Was he a believer? Um, I don't I he think was... he was a believer, but I can tell you that would be a good one to have a conversation with as well. And speaking of Dr. Freud, Anthony Hopkins, Sir Anthony Hopkins, Sir Hopkins. is going to play. I heard this, Dr. Freud, in a in a new movie biopic. I don't know. It looked pretty interesting. Yeah, just from I the that. I heard that. the little clips I saw. So, yeah, we're talking about the afterlife if you're just joining us. And, Peace be um, with you. Got a lot of things to talk about related to the afterlife before uh, we end this show. What's so bad about the here and now that makes you long or, you know, pine for an afterlife, Nelson? It's, it's, it's first of all, I don't pine for or wish for an afterlife. Mm. I like this life a lot. I enjoy this life a lot. But I if just, and when... This life cease to exist for you. Well, it will. It'll cease to you, exist for all of us. So you do agree with that part? Yeah, hundred percent. But and, but I. But I you just, don't agree with with mortality. You believe there there no, is such thing no, as immortality. All right, tell us why. And for me, I don't pretend to know what immortality looks like. But here's what I do know as a historian: is that whenever we separated from lower animals, and mm. I don't know exactly what point that was, but when we did. We have always connected to the divine, Neanderthals, other early hominid, uh, hominid species buried their dead. Mm -hmm. We've always had this, and I, I don't want to call it a curiosity because it's just different. A uh, fairy fancy? I, I don't think that would be a fair term either. We've always had this innate knowledge of something beyond. You know, my sister is a devout atheist. Oh, yeah. One shout out is. to her, well, by the way. You told happy me birthday, it was her Jenna. birthday. Happy, happy birthday, Happy birthday, Jenna. Hopefully, if we shout out enough people's names during these podcasts, people will listen, right? Listen and like, please, and subscribe. Yeah. But here's the thing. She said to me one day that Egyptians um, believe that cats were gods. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I did counter. I said, you know, if Egyptians came back and took two seconds and looked at our internet, they would probably be like, yeah, yep, nailed that one. Absolutely. But I, I don't think we should diminish those beliefs. Rather, I think those beliefs are connected to something so human. The idea that, or the innate understanding 
in each of us, and even you, mm-hmm. Mr. Atheist, yeah. acknowledged or claim to acknowledge that there is something spiritual in what we create and in what we do on a daily basis. And I just feel like that continues on, that that is part of being human, mm. that, 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 that there is no finality to death, that there's light and there's dark and there can't be one without the other. There can't be life without death. And so I just don't fear it mm. um, because of that belief. Yeah. Well, now I don't believe in the do ark. I yeah, don't yeah, believe yeah. You're not a I'm not a fundamentalist. No, yeah. God no. Would you say you're more spiritual than you are religious or would you say I'm you're more far more spiritual okay. than I am religious. In fact, I would say I'm irreligious. Do I'm you not need religious. to have a 3.0 or some kind of autocratic god, some kind of sky god to believe? To like me, tomorrow if you woke up and said Okay, I get it. There's no God that's judging us, that's up there waiting on us. There's nobody up there to receive me when I die. Would that be okay, or would that fundamentally change? I'll be very honest with you, and I'm not sure I've ever said this out loud. Okay. I don't believe in that conception of God. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in God the Father. Okay. I believe, I'm I'm a mystic. I think that God is everywhere and in everything and in you and in me, whatever. And I I don't pretend to know what that is. I don't really have a concept of the almighty, but I do believe very deeply in the idea that there is meaning and purpose to our existence. And do you believe it's everywhere all at once in everything? So is it omnipotent and uh, omnipresent, Um, all powerful too? Do you believe... this God or this energy is all-powerful? Eastern religions look at d- the divine or look at God, if you want to call it God, mm-hmm. as, or, or, or I guess what I should say is Eastern religions look at life as sort of a game. Mm-hmm. And the Godhead, through this game of life, is playing uh, an elaborate hide-and-seek forgetting itself and and there's something that just strikes me as eminently understandable about that because if you were to ask me well nelson what do you want what do you believe what do you what do you want right now Mm -hmm. i would have a very difficult time answering you now of course there are things that i want i would like a beer yeah uh i would like a good meal i would like a vacation now or in the afterlife or both both okay both so in, in but many it, ways, but, you want your afterlife to be kind of like it is here. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I would love that. But if you were divine, right, wouldn't you want to forget that for a minute? I mean, if you were God, wouldn't boredom be the biggest problem that you would face? If you were God and you could have anything you wanted at mm. any time, boredom I guess it would depends be on who, who you brought on board with you, right? Like you got to be careful about who you cast out and who you accept is what I think. I was going to ask you a, a non-serious question. Sure. Not that any of these have been too serious, at least not for an atheist. <laughs> don't do too serious. But, but one I have to ask is, who are you least? <laughs> do you have anyone you're least, least excited about seeing when you get to the afterlife? No. No, no. Absolutely see, there's not. plenty of people I absolutely do not, not want to see, And I'm right? going to tell you why, though. I'm glad they're no longer here. I don't want to see them. And so... 
you know, maybe that's another thing that I informs think, my it, beliefs it, in the afterlife. It's like life and death and light and dark. I need people that do, I do don't you need like to be around me. Do you need all hundred yes. and maybe 10 billion of them that's ever walked the earth for the last, I don't know. Jeez, you're an ass. So there's 110 billion that you don't like? Well, there's 110 like billion. Everybody. There's 110 uh, billion like homo sapiens that have probably walked the earth. Yeah. We only have 8 billion currently. Yeah. Um, now, what I find interesting is that all 110 billion of them that have walked the earth for the past several hundred thousand years, they know what the afterlife's like. <laughs> but not one, of them, not one of them have come back or reported back to us. But as an, as an academic, and yeah. you're, you're one of the smartest guys I know, you're an intellectual. Uh, and I think being an intellectual uh, you know, requires a certain curiosity. To yeah. me, losing that curiosity, you don't have any 100%. question about yeah. what it's all about. Oh, God, yeah. Of course. Which is why I am fascinated. So would, would you just, would, would yeah. you, could you be open to the idea of an afterlife? No. Or do you just reject it? No, out of I hand? reject it out of hand. However, I am very interested in people who believe there's an afterlife, particularly those people who believe that they've been on the precipice. Or been into the afterlife, and then you're just talking found about a way our back. friend Phil McCaskey. I'm talking who's about anyone, many times. anyone who has allegedly experienced an NDE and so near what do you death think experience. That, okay, so that that is a great yeah starting point for another con. What do you think that means? So many people have said, "Look, mm -hmm. this happened to me." This and, and the. They're all similar. Some are drug based. Some are not. Some are What's atheists. Happening? Some are Christian. What, some are what Buddhist. is happening here? Well, from a physiological perspective, we think that some of the similarities between people's reports of these near death experiences is that when we do die, um, our organ systems are very similar in what they do. And therefore, when they begin to shut down or fail, for instance, one of the main, if not the way in which someone determines the time of death is when you cease to hear the heart beating anymore. Right. Right. Now, well, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's cardiac arrest, baby, right? Like yeah, when the, when the heart arrests. Yeah. Now, of course, that doesn't stop people from pushing on it and trying to jumpstart it with paddles or whatever. And if you can get it, get it back then, of course, you don't give them a time of death. You wait until it stops again, right? Right. And it could stop again in two minutes. It could stop again in two years or 20 years. Um, so I am, I am very interested, and I do believe that people have indeed died and been brought back to life. And I believe that that sequence of events and all of the biochemical things that sort of transpire when average people do die and are brought back to life are such that they may help explain the similar perceptual experiences we have in the same way that our shared experiences as humans and our shared physiology as humans explains how similar our fantasies, our hallucinations when we sleep called dreams are, right? Like, it's no secret that if you and I sat here and talked about what we dream about, we would probably recognize one another's dreams, um, maybe literally recognize them, but certainly the. Did themes. you ever have a? I'm going to school in my. Oh my dream? gosh! Yes. Have you ever had that? I'm flying dream. 
No, falling a yeah. number of times. Have you I ever had, had the? Dream. Have you ever had that? I'm running, trying to escape from something that's chasing me, yes. and I'm running through yes. like molasses, and I can't go very fast. Oh, I didn't have molasses. It was snow. Snow. But yes, pushing a, a door, pushing a door to, and you can't quite get it shut. And Never locked. had that one. Um, that's weird. yeah. So there's so many. You might need some couch time, but yeah. <laughs> so I mean, again, I don't want to cheapen anyone's near death experience, but. I don't, no, no, I, I don't, don't think we're cheap. necessarily I mean, we're believe it, that it's evidence it. of an afterlife. However, th- th- this is what bothers me, though. If you, I don't think you can cheapen by explaining it by explaining medically it, by, or physiologically, or, or, or by just saying, "Look, this is you know, these are things that happen when you're near death, or what we believe." I mean, happens I think that then speaks to a weakness of conviction yeah. when it comes to people's spiritual ideals. So I'm I'm interested in it, um, you know, in the same way the. Um, Psychiatrist uh, at the University of Virginia who just wrote a book called After, by the way. Um, oh yeah, I heard about how it. he's into it. You know, he he was very much a non-believer, and when he started interviewing clients, patients who had these near-death experiences, he became a believer in the afterlife. Um, and his his story is very anecdotal. His patient stories are obviously testimonials, but you know, this is a very smart, thoughtful guy who's come to the belief in an afterlife, I think, very methodically, slowly, honestly. Um, and he has convinced himself that, yeah, there's an afterlife. Now, are you familiar with the common uh, themes of people who have experienced near death? Uh, yeah, I would say right. so. What do you, what do you, so. What do you, what do you think um, sort of is, are the commonalities that people um, tell? I've heard people speak of... Uh, overwhelming sense of calmness yeah that peace. peace so there's there's big emotions peace. typically peace uh you know I've, I've heard people talk about a light but i think that's a little vague well I've heard yeah they're moving through one realm into stillness, another mm-hmm. yeah stillness or a, a, a you know, said peace but yeah. usually an out-of-body event sometimes yes, people, people feel themselves can, or see themselves raising absolute, above I've and they can see before. things going yes, on in the room yes well you know this this uh, idea of um, moving beyond yourself, being raised out of yourself, maybe above yourself, or that's the thing this guy um, from the University of Virginia said began to convince him is that he had patients who said, look, when I died of cardiac arrest on that, on that table, I remember rising above myself looking around at everyone, and I remember the mismatched shoestrings in one of the nurse's shoes. And the doctor was like, how in the world could you explain that? Um, Another one said, I was in the afterlife. I was walking towards some threshold, and I heard someone call my name, and I looked back, and it was a lady who was a nurse of mine when I was in the hospital. And I remember that she had taken the weekend off. (laughs) And she comes to me and says, you got to go back. You can't be here. And he says, what's going on? Why don't you come back? And she said, because I'm not here anymore. Please tell my parents, I'm sorry I wrecked the red MGB. He goes back. They resuscitate him. And he tells people his story and says, you know, this nurse who was supposed to be here, but she's on vacation or whatever, um, I don't think she's alive. And, of course, people get upset, and they go out and start making phone calls, and they find out that she had died 24, 48 hours ago 
in the red MG that her mom and dad had just given her. So it was her twenty first birthday. Right. I, I don't have to explain. Well, I don't it. have you explain. No, I don't have it. to explain, you, you explain it. Right. It. I don't, but don't you? Well, you kind of do. Absence of evidence is not. You know, it's not absence of evidence. It's a piece of evidence. Well, if you want me to give you an explanation for how that might occur, I, I would start with the easier one, which is the shoestrings. Um, am I to believe that this guy had only ever seen these shoestrings once? I mean, one of his patients said he was in and out of the hospital, so he could have seen these shoestrings before. He could have seen the shoestrings before he, you know, um, went under. Likewise, with the with the um, the car accident. I mean, who knows? Again, she had died a couple of days before this happened. So who who's to say he didn't um, already have some kind of contact with her? But also, you know, we get suspicions and weird feelings and little little spider, spi spider, spider feelings senses, all the time. Yeah, spiders. And, and most of the time we're wrong. But even if we're right once out of every hundred thousand, that's the one that's going to stick out in our minds, right? Like I suppose that's true. You know, like as a I changed my answers yeah, when I was true. I changed my answers when I was in school a lot. You know, I'd erase and put another answer on the multiple choice, and then I would get my test back, and inevitably, some of those that I changed, I would have changed from right to wrong. And I would allow that to reinforce this notion that I should never change my answer. <laughs> what I didn't you do. You actually should change your answer. Yeah, what I didn't statistically do. Statistically speaking. <laughs> what I didn't do was I didn't look at all the ones I erased and actually erased from wrong to right. So likewise, we, we got to make sure that we're <laughs> paying attention to, you know, all of the events, not just the hits, but also the misses. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's I a lot of times you, I'm you. singing a song and I, I turn on you. my radio in my car and that song I'm singing in my head's not playing. But every now and then, <laughs> that song is playing almost That's at the exact cheap. spot. That's cheapening well, belief. No, no, no. That is cheapening I, well, belief. Well, I, I think out-of-body experience <laughs> as a as evidence of an afterlife, I don't more think we specifically should evidence of God does cheapen it. Yeah, yes. For me. I, I don't think we should If I were going to believe in God, I would believe probably in the type of God that doesn't care so much about... Um, all of these little things that we attribute to him, like Friday night lights uh, in football games, right? You, you, you catch the winning touchdown and you start doing the little, the little guns up in the air, like, thanks God. Thanks God. And I'm thinking to myself, is God really watching, let alone involving himself in this game? Or when a student says, Oh my God, I, I passed the test. Thank God. I'm like, thank God. Didn't you do the work? I that seems to cheapen it. Did you ask God to help you? That's cheating. I don't think that... I think prayer is cheating, yes. I, I don't think that winning a football game right. or Passing a, a, test. a presidential election oh. or, or whatever. I don't, I don't think God is that intimately involved no. in human affairs. What I will say is that I believe that human beings are capable of channeling some sort of divinity and that when somebody hits a home run or somebody scores a touchdown with 22 seconds to go mm -hmm. in the Super Bowl yeah that they are maybe rising above themselves in a way and maybe connecting with something that is divine and I'm not saying otherworldly mm. I Again, I told you, I don't believe in the conception of God 
that a lot of people do of a sky boss who is bestowing benevolence mm. and punishing. I don't believe that. Yeah, reinforcing what and I celebrating do, individuality. What I do believe firmly, and history would back me up on this, is that human beings are capable of having what I term a mystic experience, mm. mystic consciousness. And I think that given the overwhelming evidence that shows these type of events happening again and again and again and again throughout different cultures mm. that we can sort of tap into that. Yeah. That there's a way to connect with that. Well, you know, in addition to near-death experiences, there's another scientist who's done some pretty fascinating experiments in Canada uh, at a university called Laurentine University. Yeah. About 25 years ago, I learned of this gentleman's research. His name is Michael Persinger. Mm -hmm. And he became famous for exploring um, people's feelings of being connected with God. Um, he invented this God helmet. <laughs> and what he would do, yeah, so he's got this, what looks like, you know, a <laughs> what, 1970s motorcycle yeah. helmet. Uh, he's got these little electrodes in, the, in the, the helmet, plugged into a computer, and basically he sticks it on your head after he surveyed you to find out what kind of believer, the extent of your belief. <laughs> and he turns, he turns these, um, these electrodes. electrodes on at different <laughs> times. To, different frequencies. Yeah, to yeah. stimulate different parts of your, your head, your brain. Wow. And what he's found is that stimulation in one very specific lobe of the brain, we have four, by the way, the frontal, which is right above your eyes, yeah, in the, the front temporal. of your head, the temporal, which are right behind your ears or in the temple area. Prefrontal. The, well, that's that's kind of a part, a subpart of the frontal. Then you've got the very back. Well, I had some knowledge. Very back is the occipital for vision. And yep. then you got the one where occipital you'd wear. lobe. Where you'd wear your hat if you had it pulled way back on your head or your yarmulke if you're Jewish called the parietal lobe. Ah, and it turns okay. out that... Uh, when he stimulates uh, areas of the temporal lobe right behind the ears, uh, people report the most religious types of experiences. Really? So he can sort of dial up your religious perceptions and, or dial, and dial them back. Wow. And by the way, he can do that for both wow. you know, believers and non-believers. People that are like a zero on the believer scale, that'd be the most atheistic. People all the way to a 10 on the believer scale, they might be the most certain of a god. Now, what he wasn't surprised by was when he asked people to explain or to sort of um, describe what it was like that they were feeling. The people who were further on the religion scale described it as spiritual, godlike. I was one with God, my creator. Talked about it in terms of deities. People, however, that were on the zero end described it as it was a good feeling, it was pleasant, it felt peaceful, it, I was one with nature. They didn't use the God terms. Now, I guess you could argue that, well, maybe religious people have a language, a lexicon that they can use. Sure, right? and that makes whereas sense. Whereas atheists, that maybe they sense. don't have a lexicon, right? So They don't it, have a language vehicle right, to sort of to explain. To sort of support or explain, what, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that makes so sense. So maybe if sense. I got in there and it felt yeah, really, really good, I, the first thing that comes to my mind isn't God because I don't, I don't, I don't attribute a lot of things to God because I don't, I don't use that language every Sunday, um, perhaps. But so yeah, it's very interesting nevertheless. Um, I, I, I haven't I, heard of him lately. I'm not sure if he's still alive, but again, Michael Persinger, 
That's interesting. Yeah, the God helmet. Take a look I, at them. Laurentine University. I think the, I don't know how deeply we have to get into it because I do believe that the psychological benefit of believing in an afterlife is relatively apparent, right? Mm -hmm. And I guess to sort of amplify that or to uh, offer uh, an example of that, I would ask you just point blank, would you, all things being equal, would mm -hmm. you prefer an afterlife or would you prefer your belief? Great question. It um, is a good question because yeah, you know yeah. what I do. I ask good questions. Why you have me the as a co-host? questions. Um, so the quick answer is yes. Of course, I would love to believe there's an afterlife. Um, but for me, honestly, I'm 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 not being flippant or silly here. But honestly, I want it to be like, you know, the opening to Willy Wonka when they walk into the chocolate factory. And they go into in the, the area. Crazy room area? No, when they oh, when, when they go into the, the place with all the, the chocolate river oh, and oh, the flowers yeah, that are made yes. of candy and like oh. that. So admittedly, my my want, my desire, my fantasy of the afterlife is that there's gotta be a place, call it heaven, call it whatever you want, that is very um amenable to childlike whimsy and childlike desires. I really definitely want it to be childlike i want to have access to remote you control want, cars you want the christian I wanna, ideal i want to go back to a Egyptian time ideal. in my life where you were most where happy I, where i was most happy didn't have to worry didn't have to stress like it felt like time was moving so slowly i would never get to tomorrow do you remember that right oh yeah, yeah you're sure. in the third grade and you sure. know the semesters or the years come to an end and you're going to be in the fourth and it's only a week away, but it feels like it's a year away. And then summer hits, and it's like, oh, my God, summer is so long. And then you're in the fifth grade, and then it's like, oh, my God, I'll never be in middle school. Yeah. My kids my kids remind me of that every day when I say to my daughter, you know what today is? She's like, oh, is it Friday? I'm like, no, it's Thursday. And she goes, oh, my God, Friday's never going to get here. I'm like, oh, I thought <laughs> we're, right like, there, we're right baby. there at the we're cusp. Right there. Some people call this Friday light. I mean, really? I do. She's like, I do. no, it's going to take forever. You, Daddy, how many days is it to my birthday? My son asks every day. His birthday, by the way, is November 28th. Oh, he's getting close. No. Nope. What's today? The days of 10? So 10th. 18 days, baby. And you know what he says when you say 18 days? It's never getting never here. Never going to get here, right? <laughs> you remember these days. Oh, yeah. And now what's it like the second half or the, at least the second third of your life? I know. That's, that's, so that's fascinating to me. So I, know. I, really, I don't think I need an afterlife, by the way, that is um, forever. I think as long as you change my perception of time, you could give me an afterlife that's like 10 years and it would feel like 100 years, particularly if I was, sure, getting, to, sure. if I was getting to play like I was as a kid. Yeah. Now, the more rational, mature part of me says, nah, I don't want or need an afterlife because I don't believe it's going to be like that. If there is one. And number two, like a movie, again, I think, for me at least, it makes life worth way more fun to live yeah. if I don't know what the ending is or when exactly it's going to come. That's exciting. I, I, I totally... I want to be in this. I want to be immersed in this experience to the best of my ability. It's funny because I feel like we share a lot of the same mm -hmm. ideals and, and concepts of... You know, the way I feel about the afterlife, mm -hmm. which is, and, and I will freely admit, and I think we have to admit, because I would prefer not to go to sleep and never wake up and get 
eaten by worms in a yeah, box. Yeah. Because I would naturally, and I think everybody would. Oh, yeah. I'm susceptible to a rational belief. We mm -hmm. all are. Yeah, we all are. Having said that. Yeah. I think that the idea of heaven as you described it, although if there was a heaven and there wasn't a chocolate, I'm not even like a chocolate guy, mm -hmm. but after watching Willy Wonka, the original, not yeah. the remakes, but I no, would be gotta really. Be the, gotta be. Um, wouldn't you be pissed if we got like screwed out of a chocolate river in heaven? Like we need chocolate river. Oh, dude, it dude, better not look the way Donald river. Trump's White House looked. It better not be no. opulent and oh, have gold gross, toilets gross, and all that. Gross, gross, gross. No. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking nah. about chocolate river, uh, gummy bear trees. Yeah. That and the big ones too. You and, know the adult, and the adult in the adult section, if you ever want to grow up, we'll have like a really huge library and. It'll have like Airplane all the whiskey. Bottles. I was gonna say <laughs> right. whiskey right. from every part of the world in every era. That's right. Oh my But goodness. here's the thing: all of those things are things, and what they do is convey a feeling. Yeah, of course. And so, for me personally, I don't believe in the eternal heaven or the eternal hell. I certainly don't believe in the eternal hell, and yet I feel like, in some respects, I've been to both, mm -hmm. and I feel like the feeling that we get when we hate or when we're miserable or when we, and you know, how many times have we talked about, you know, the stresses of parenting or work or whatever, mm -hmm. or, or you, you don't, those, when they become all encompassing, when they dominate your very existence, that's hell. Yeah. yeah. That's hell. And I, and I have had experiences uh, where I've hated, um, where I've hated another person or something. And that is such a draining feeling yeah. to hate. And then the opposite of that is love, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like when I am near the Chocolate River and I'm ha I'm just surrounded by love, right? And yeah. I'm sure you have that when you're 100 percent when you're sitting there at the soccer field watching your kids play a little Absolutely. soccer and your wife is next to you. Mm -hmm. That's, well, my wife's that's typically not next to me because I'm screaming and she's embarrassed or upset with no, me. No, hundred percent. But and, and yeah, I, she's I'm nearby. In, in she's nearby. Nearby. Theoretically, she's there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to me, those emotions we make our own heaven. We make our own hell. We certainly can. I, I don't, and I don't see why those go away just because our functions stop. Well, that's a lovely thought, man, and I think that's a lovely place to end it on. Unless you've got anything else you want to share, um, no, we've not been really. at this about an hour today. Again, I love the I afterlife. Would like man, to I love the topic. Like to uh, one more time shout out happy birthday to your sister Jana. Happy birthday! You Jana. better be listening. If you're not, then someone needs to send this to her and let her know that we've shouted her out. My favorite atheist, by the way, my favorite atheist, Jana, believes in uh, in ghosts. How about that? Boo. She does. She believes in ghosts. Man, well, that's all I've got. I'm sure people are tired of hearing us ramble on. No, God, no. That's what they live for. Nelson, I appreciate you, man, and uh, yeah. hope you have a good night and a good rest of your weekend. You too, brother. Thanks. All right, so Susan, you were denied entry from the Saints Lounge yet again because it's not part of your, your package, okay? There are plenty of other amenities to enjoy in heaven. I'm sure you did see a drag queen go in there. I know whom you're speaking of. You know, she ran a nonprofit for 20 years. And Susan, with all due respect, what did you do for 20 years? Other than give your sister bad parents and call the cops on your neighbors? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you.